We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. rehabilitated, and real entertaining. This is the Carl Jackson Podcast. All right, welcome to this edition of the Carl Jackson Show Podcast on this Friday. Um, I'm looking forward to speaking to our next guest. I had some information sent to me that I couldn't believe um, where fishermen uh, fishermen in New Jersey or basically on the on the East Coast are being forced to pay for the National Oceanic and Atmos- Atmospheric Administration. Uh, basically, some contractors that work for them are government contractors. The fishermen are being forced to pay for government to collect data on their fishing boats. Um, just when you think that government has gone crazy, we hear a, another story. Uh, so I want to bring in my guest right away. And let me say this. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast, SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Follow me on social media, The Carl Jackson Show. Take advantage of our deals at MyPillow.com uh, with Mike Lindell, founder and CEO of MyPillow. All you have to do is, is, is enter my name as the promo code, Carl, C-A-R-L, 1-800-858-0263 is the number. Or go to MyPillow.com. Click on the radio listener square. Ryan, I, listen, I, I, uh, my producer sent me this story, and it's, it's almost as if uh, I'm not surprised, but it amazes me. It, it seems like just the, the stories that I hear daily where everyday citizens are just under attack by this administration in the White House and how they're using the administrative state, if you will, to just crush everyday Americans. And that's what this latest story appears to be. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it really is frightening. Um, well, so first of all, I want to thank you for having me on the show and, and having this opportunity to talk about this case that uh, we just filed a petition uh, with the Supreme Court asking them to, to, to hear it. <clears throat> Because unfortunately, so far, we haven't been able to get the courts to come to uh, the assistance of these fishermen. Uh, my, my firm, my colleagues and I represent a group of fishermen in southern New Jersey. Uh, they're f- small, family-owned businesses. They've been fishing together for generations since before the 1950s. Wow. Um, uh, you know, they're a mainstay of the local economy. Uh, they're specifically in Cape May, which is the very southern tip of New Jersey. And really, there's only two things going there, uh, tourism and commercial fishing. Uh, so these these are hardworking, honest men and women uh, who are working to put food on the table for everyday Americans. And they have, for a while now, been facing increasing regulation by the government um, and pressure from environmental you know, left-wing environmental groups as well, who are trying to to get the agency uh, to push even even harsher regulations. So, uh, the rule that's at issue here, the regulation, uh, as you mentioned, it's pretty astounding. So, as it stands, the law already allows the government to force a fisherman to carry a monitor on their boat, okay. um, and so far, that has been government funded. 
So the fishermen have a compliance cost. They have to give up a, a bunk on the boat to let the fishermen ride the boat and watch. they have to deal with them watching them fish. But now under this rule, at least for our fishermen, the government not only wants to make them take the monitors out on the boat, but to pay for them as well. Uh, and that's expected to cost at least $700 a day per day. Uh, and the government itself has estimated that the fishermen's revenue could decrease by 20%. And for oh some of the, God. yeah, right. And they said that this, they, they were, they acknowledged that in the regulation, uh, these tremendous economic costs, but nevertheless, they wanted to move forward with the monitoring because the agency knew that it couldn't afford to pay for it. So they decided to, to force the fishermen instead. Uh, this is this is astounding, and 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 I'm speaking to Ryan Mulvey. He's with the uh, Cause of Action Institute. You can find him at causeofaction.org, causeofaction.org, causeofaction.org. I'll be honest with you, Ryan. I hadn't heard of you guys before uh, before this, but I'm going to make sure that I donate to you because one of the things that I hate and I can't stand, uh, and and it's something that I've already mentioned, is how big government comes in. We, the people, are completely out of the picture. They circumvent the will of the people, and they use this administrative state to put regulations in place that are absolutely insane. I didn't even think about this. When these fishermen are forced to pay for this monitor, this person, to come on board their their uh, uh, their vessel, upwards of $700 per day, which is completely insane, not only are they paying for uh for for that government monitor to come aboard their privately owned vessel but they're giving up a bunk in other words they're giving up a seat another fisherman could be there mm -hmm. that has a job that's contributing to the business that's contributing to the local economy so that fisherman or, or an additional fisherman is basically uh kicked off yep. I, I i read a story on the ap i want to get your response to this this is a uh, the summary from the ap a group of commercial fishermen is asking the U.S. Supreme Court to stop the federal government from making them pay for workers who gather data aboard fishing boats. Um, uh, the fishermen harvest Atlantic herring. I'm assuming that's a, a type of fish off the East Coast and are opposed to a 2020 rule that has been implemented by the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration that requires the industry funded monitoring. The monitors are workers who collect data on board fishing vessels that are important for informing regulation. So one of the questions I have is since government takes so much of our money, why is it that they don't uh, pay for their own vessels and they can't have these guys get out and collect their own data? This doesn't even make sense to me, except that they wanna be punitive against these fishermen. I mean, I think that that is the feeling of some of these fishermen is that at this point, the regulations are beyond. Yeah, I think most fishermen acknowledge that there needs to be some regulation, right? You can't have fishermen just go out and do whatever sure. they want. You know, sure. we care about the fish. We care about the natural resource and all fishermen. It's just like, who are the best conservationists? It's hunters, right? It's right. the people who want to, you know, uh, go out and, you know, grab a deer, grab a buck. Uh, they're the ones who care most about the resource. Well, fishermen care about fish too. It's not like they want to empty the ocean. That's how they make their living. Right. Um, so what, what it ultimately comes down to is when government decides to run a program, who is supposed to pay for it? The agency is supposed to pay for it. And when it runs out of money, it's supposed to go to Congress 
and ask for more. Um, and the agency didn't do that here. It decided instead we're just going to effectively tax the fishermen and make them pay directly, um, force them into a contract with these independent monitoring companies that the government approves. There's only a handful of them, three or four. Government approves them. There's a lot of crony connections there on the side that I, I'd mentioned between these monitoring service companies uh, and the government agency, as I think you might imagine. Uh, mm. But uh, yeah, it's it, you're right. At the end of the day, it's not right that they'd be forcing the fishermen. And, and I would just add, to, to emphasize the point, you know, our, our fishermen are out there for a number of days at a time. And, you know, fish isn't like stocks of corn where you know where they are and you can cut them down for sure, right? That's fish move. Point. And if the point. fishermen are out there for five days and they don't catch anything, which happens, you know, uh, they still have to pay the monitor $700 a day for that five-day trip. So they may end up not taking any money home themselves in their pocket. The crew might get nothing, but the monitor goes home paid. <laughs> $3,500, as a matter of fact, even if the fishermen don't make a dime. That's absolutely uh, just completely uh, uh, insane to me. It says here the fishermen led by Maine plaintiff Loper Bright Enterprises of New Jersey. Oh, you know what? I want to ask before. I, th this is the main plane of Loper Bright Enterprises of New <laughs> of New Jersey. But here's here's what I want to ask. How is it that uh, you mentioned that the uh, uh, th this uh, government agency, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, basically ran out of money and instead of going to Congress, just re-up the program, uh, essentially, if I'm wording this correctly. Uh, how, how is it that they have the authority to do that? Is it is it the Biden administration that is just letting these administrations uh, go wild? Would, do you think this would have been checked in, uh, uh, in maybe a Republican administration? What, what's, what's going on here that these agencies, because it's, it's not just this one. I'm reading stories about agencies every day that seem to be just, I, I, I mean, overreaching when it comes to their uh, their role uh, in the yeah. federal government. Yeah. Well, I, I will say that I think the the philosophical orientation of an administration uh, that's predisposed towards increasing regulation and harming small business, uh, you know, that doesn't help. And the President Biden could very easily start the process of getting rid of, of this sort of rule. But I think the problem has run back a while, uh, decades even, and it has to do with unelected bureaucrats yep. who consider themselves scientific experts who get away with – I mean I don't think a lot of people know too much about the National Marine Fisheries Service or what they do or the fact that of, – of how – day-to-day -day operations of fisheries are regulated in this country. Right. Um, even politicals, you know, in the government may not realize. So you have unelected bureaucrats who kind of think themselves as being in charge and don't have to answer to anyone except themselves. Uh, and they think they know what's best. And, you know, that's a dangerous combination. And I, I want to add, and, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, so if you already had planned to talk about this, uh, we don't have to jump into it now. But I think a lot of what contributes to this is Chevron and the Chevron Doctrine. Uh, right. Um, Will you explain that? I was reading about that, the Chevron deference. Uh, what, what exactly is that? What does it do? How does it impact this particular case? Sure. So uh, there's a Supreme Court case from 1984 uh, called Chevron versus Natural Resources Defense Council. And there the Supreme Court, and this is a 
a, a simplification of, of what it ruled, but it basically said when a, when a statute is ambiguous, uh, when it's unclear, a regulating agency um, can interpret what the statute means to kind of fill in the blanks, as it were, and that as long as its interpretation is reasonable, then it wins. And and who's to determine what's reasonable? The, I mean, well, the, the, yeah. this is insane that the agency gets to determine, I guess, what's... Well, courts, the, 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 so the decision, uh, the determination whether there's ambiguity and whether the agency is reasonable is basically left to the court. But I can tell you, having heard uh, appellate court judges talk about this case, you know, right. the reason why it developed uh, was as a a tool of efficiency as a way to get cases off dockets and to get them out of the courts. So wow. if, you know, if somebody challenges an agency regulation, it's easier for the judge rather than to have to do his job and to interpret the law, right. To say what the law is and what the statute means to just sure. say, ah, oh, that looks ambiguous. I'm not quite sure what it means. Uh, uh, let's just defer to the reasonable, uh, to the reasonable interpretation of the agency. They're the scientific expert, you know, they're the bureaucratic expert, uh, I don't see any reason to to better, you know, to second judge them. Um, so that has led to a situation where for years now, uh, if there's ambiguity in a statute, the agency tends to win. Um, and obviously that's a very problematic situation. Uh, the, the the bright side and where why we're, we're hopeful with this case, which I should mention, it's called Loper Bright uh, versus Raimondo. Uh, okay. Secretary Raimondo of the Department of Commerce. Uh, why we're, we're hopeful here is that courts, the Supreme Court in recent years, seems to have become increasingly skeptical of Chevron and that in the academic literature as well. And I think people realize that it's kind of time for it to go away and for courts to do what they're supposed to do, which is interpret the law. And in fact, uh, two weeks ago, there was a case that the Supreme Court decided not to hear and Justice Gorsuch uh, dissented from that. He wanted to hear the case. And he said in there, um, it's time to, to, to chisel a tombstone, basically, wow. uh, that we need to, we need to lay a tombstone for Chevron, uh, it, that it's time for it to go because it has real impacts on everyday people. You know, we think, uh, I'm sure many of your listeners have heard of some of the other big Chevron cases, um, or cases that, conspicuously did not include uh, analysis under Chevron, like West Virginia versus EPA, which was a big case about uh, the EPA last last uh, term earlier this year. Uh, there are, it's not just big companies that uh, are impacted by regulation. It's everyday people. It's yeah. small businesses. It's individuals. Um, I'll, I'll share an example. Uh, the Buffington case I mentioned from last week where Justice Gorsuch dissented from right. the denial, that case had to do with a vet who uh, was receiving benefits. He went back on active service. And then when he left active service, the agency didn't automatically give back his benefits. <laughs> and he went a couple of years with no benefits, not realizing that he had to like actually proactively apply for them to be reinstated. Uh, and the agency insisted that there was ambiguity in the governing statute oh, and that gosh. their rule was uh, returning to, uh, you know, non-active status. He had to reapply for his benefits, even though he had already been determined 
you know, to qualify and had previously been receiving benefits. I mean, he's just a vet who was serving his country right. and the agency, no doubt, as a, you know, a way to avoid paperwork and make life easier for themselves, decided we're going to make the vets have to come back and reapply for the benefits to, to, to accrue again. And that's, that's horrendous. That's not the yeah. way it should work. You, this is the problem when government just grows so large and out of control. These bureaucratic agencies and these bureaucrats just uh, just believe they're the experts. I want to hone down on this word expert. When you were talking about initially the Chevron difference, these these it, it, it amazes me that you have fishermen that are out on the water every day. Uh, fishing, following the rules to the best of their ability, uh, you know, providing a living for themselves and their crew and providing food for uh, the local, uh, you know, whatever local townships nearby or, 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 or what have you. So these are the real experts. The fishermen that are out on the boat are the real experts. And I guess what frustrates me about this, a Chevron dif- deference, if you will, is that People assume that these bureaucrats know more than the actual people mm. that are on the water doing the fishing daily. Uh, and, and this, to me, is indicative of just how large the government has become and how out of touch they are. I think we see time and time again, I can just, I won't go into COVID, but I'm, we've listened to some experts who, in my opinion, got a lot of things wrong. And now I'm looking at all facets of government and I'm like, who's actually in charge of these agencies? Is it? Is it people that actually know what the heck they're talking about or have they just been given a position and because they've been given this position, they feel all high and mighty and they're the experts, so to speak. So the everyday uh, American, the everyday, uh, you know, uh, uh, mom, pop shop, the everyday working American absolutely get get crushed. The real experts are the ones that get crushed. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I'm just an advocate for the everyday common Joe American. That's kind of what we do on this podcast. So this just frustrates me to no, no end. Let me ask you this, Ryan. And again, I'm speaking uh, to Ryan Mulvey. He's with the Cause of Action Institute. You can follow them at causeofaction.org, causeofaction.org. It's not just this particular type of case where they're working uh, on behalf of these fishermen that are absolutely being robbed by the National Oceanic and Atmospheric, uh, Atmospheric Administration. Um, and being bullied by them, in my opinion, what um, they they do similar cases as well. What is this term bycatch? It says here the monitors on this article that I'm reading. The monitors are on board to collect data about subjects <laughs> such as bycatch and check for regulatory compliance. What is what is bycatch? What does that mean? So that means if you're fishing, so our boats fish for well, they fish for multiple things, but th- this program uh, is when they when they tell the government, I'm going out fishing for herring, right? Okay. When they go out fishing for herring, when they pull up the nets, they're likely to catch other types of fish. I got you. So okay. it's making sure, you know, what's the percentage of other fish that's coming up. But the interesting thing is, is that the law requires there – there's a separate program with uh, people called observers. So they're different from monitors. Uh, and observers are required by law. Yeah, I know, right? They're required by law, and they are required under what's called the standardized bycatch methodology, which the the law already explicitly requires that bycatch be monitored. And that program is entirely funded by the government, as it should be. Um, Wow. The monitoring here is extra. It's totally discretionary. The agency says it wants more information 
to better regulate the fishery, to better manage it. So that's why they're saying, well, we don't really have to pay for it. We're going to try to force the fishermen to do it instead um, as a cost of, of participating. The privilege of participating in the fishery, of having the permit, of being part of the market is that you have to be regulated. And we just can we're going to call this a cost of compliance with the regulations. That ultimately is their argument. And they point to uh, in the in the statute, there's a necessary and proper clause um, that says they can pass any regulations necessary or proper to you know, managing the fishery. And I mean, <laughs> as I'm sure many of your readers know, when it comes to Article One of the Constitution in Congress and the necessary and proper clause there and the idea of what the government can get away with with legislating, it's the same sort of problem that we see at, at agencies, um, you know, necessary and proper. What does that mean? I mean, it yeah. doesn't seem like it should mean being able to put the regulated party out of business, putting small businessmen out of business doesn't seem right. And that seems is, like the wrong interpretation. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're you're exactly right. And this is uh this is why I really want people to pay attention to to this story and stories like this. I think this is an ex- excellent exa- example of a big government gone awry and if we don't start paying more attention to these type of of uh stories, uh, I mean government is just going to take control. This this is supposed to be a government that's up for and by the people, but with these regulatory agencies in place, I feel like a lot of government, the federal government, they they erect these federal agencies, and basically they serve as a a, a buffer, if you will, between uh, between the federal government and the people. So the people are like, okay, I'm electing my representatives, but I have no say because this regulatory agency is here setting all these rules. Let me just get read a quote from one of the fishermen uh, that I believe you guys are representing here, Ryan, and let you res- respond. Uh, this is a, a a guy by the name of Wayne Reichley, I believe. He's the president of Lunds Fisheries of New Jersey, uh, and uh, also the owner of two uh, two of the boats that are yeah in the plaintiff's case. It says here, uh, he says making these vessels pay to have the observer coverage on them just decreases hardworking fishermen's wages and makes it less attractive for vessels to uh, for vessels to con- uh, continue. In some cases. It prevents them from fishing basically at all. So these vessels are being decentivized. They're losing money. They may not mm-hmm. w- want to even go out on the water if they got to continue to pay these people. More jobs lost, more people that uh, have to go search for new jobs. Uh, it's it's just insane. Respond to his quote, if you would, please. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I mean, I think he's absolutely right. I mean, there have been a lot of since this rule came into effect, there have been a lot of boats that have said we're just not going to fish. Because I don't want, want want to run the risk of uh, having to get a monitor and being stuck paying for them. You know, it's very interesting because we raised this issue in the lower court where we said this is going to lead to such tremendous economic impact. And the government's response and the government's response at the during the drafting of the regulation was you can just go fish something else. That was that's what they said. Oh Effectively, God. right? I, I, it, was, and it wasn't right, in those right. exact words, but it was like, sure. you know, go fish for something other than herring. The problem is, is that that's not so easy. Some of these permits, you know, uh, these days, it's very expensive to enter into the market because it's so highly regulated. You can't just decide, oh, well, I'm I'm, I'm going to switch, especially since the boats are made to fish for certain types of fish. Oh, that's a good right? point. Right. So you that's can't just point. say, hey, okay, I can't fish herring. I'm going to go do something else. Some boats are lucky in that they, they already fish multiple species. But 
a lot of the smaller guys aren't so lucky. Guys with one or two boats, if they lose, if they lose their main source of income, that's it. Mm. They may not be able to do anything else. Uh, and I, I think, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no. I was going to say it sounds like that's probably the plan to put these smaller vessels out of business altogether. It could be. It could be. You know, it's it's. There's another interesting aspect of all of this, um, which is that by international standards, uh, America, uh, our fishing fleet is small um, in terms of the boats, right? Sure. So you got Chinese, Norwegian, Japanese fishing vessels, and they're absolutely humongous, right? Absolutely humongous. Our guys are small by comparison. And I'll tell you who wins. I, I bet you can guess who wins and who loses when American fish vessels, when American fishing uh, companies, these family-owned businesses that go right. back, uh, this industry in this country goes back to before the revolution, right? Before right. the revolution sure. in New England. Who do, I mean, you think of New England, I think most people probably think of a little fishing village, right? Right. Uh, in their head. That, you know, that could disappear. And the only one who's going to benefit from that are the foreign fishing companies with the humongous vessels that will come in and who can afford to pay for, you know, the, the law requires them to have a monitor, but that's, pe you know, peanuts for them to have to pay for that. Um, and I want to return to a point that you raised earlier, Carl, that I think was really very on point. And it's not just the problem with Chevron, but it's the problem with the administrative state overall, right. which is that the people in Congress, we get to vote for them. Every two years, the House gets reelected. Sure. Nobody gets to vote for the guy behind the desk at NOAA who's exactly. decided that I have this great idea to, to, to destroy a business. Nobody gets to vote for them. Um, so it's really time for courts to do their job with enforcing the Constitution, interpreting the law. That's their job. It's time for Congress to do its job and to pass laws and to be held accountable by the people. And it's time for bureaucrats to go away. <laughs> and, you know, we, we need to shrink the administrative state. I mean, that really is, at the end of the day, uh, the overarching problem here. This These cases of overregulation and oppressive government aren't going to go away until we check the executive branch. Yeah, man, such a such a good point. And I think the perfect place to close, I think this is a, uh, I, I mean, obviously, this is a story about fishermen, but it's also a story about liberty and tyranny. It's also a story about big government versus small government and how the small uh, the small man the uh, the little guy is getting crushed yet mm -hmm. again uh and and literally uh, has nowhere to turn except to the courts and to people like you thank god thank god you guys are out there so again i was speaking i'm speaking to ryan mulvey uh he's with the cause of action institute make sure you check them out causeofaction.org causeofaction.org i'll be following you guys now ryan I, I mean i had no clue about this when my producer was like dude you got to read this i'm sitting here like what the heck i mean uh it never ceases to amaze me and yet mm, i get stories that seem to amaze me it's yeah, really, yeah it's weird so god bless you man for what you're doing really Thank do you. appreciate it uh besides the cause of action institute is there is there some place you might want people listeners to go to follow you or to follow what your organization is doing 
Well, I, I think the best places you've mentioned, and thank you for, for plugging it, is causeofaction.org. We have a, a five-minute video up there that introduces our clients uh, and their story, and there's lots of material on there that I'm sure your readers would be very interested to read and links to news stories. And I think that's the best place to go for all the information on this case and the work that our organization does to fight government overreach uh, in other instances as well. All right. Perfect. Listen, I appreciate you joining us today. Uh, it's been uh, it, it's been eye opening. It honestly has. So uh, you guys, please keep up the good fight, because I don't think you're just fighting for fishermen. I'll be honest with you. I think this has a much bigger uh, implication. I think you're fighting for all of us. So thank you Thanks. for what you guys are doing. It's been a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you, Ryan. Guys, thank you for tuning in to this edition of the Carl Jackson Show podcast. Listen, I I hope you enjoyed this conversation, and I hope that we brought the point home that the implications of this case um, uh, against the National uh, Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration is so much bigger than just fishermen. Obviously, these fishermen are important. They're small business owners. They're employing people. Uh, they're going to be forced to go out of business. They can't. They can't maintain this, especially these smaller, smaller vessels. So the environmentalists may be. Uh, may be happy, big government may be happy, but it's going to be the sm uh, the everyday individual that uh, that pays the price while the uh, while government continues to grow and they make these regulations normal or normative without ever having to check back in with Congress. That means we have no say in the matter. So we can't allow this to happen. Please make sure you visit their website, causeofaction.org. And I appreciate you tuning in to this edition of the Carl Jackson Show podcast. Again, subscribe to the podcast wherever podcasts are found, Apple, Google, Spotify, YouTube, and Rumble. Please check us out on YouTube and Rumble. We would really love to grow the page there. It's absolutely, uh, absolutely free. Um, uh, obviously, also follow me on social media. The Carl Jackson Show is where you can find me. And please support the sponsors that support us. Support Mike Lindale. Support My Pillow. Uh, uh, his company, My Pillow. MyPillow.com. Uh, right now, I mean, he's got he's got a uh, sixty day money back guarantee. I, I mean, ten year warranties on his products. All you have to do is go to MyPillow.com. Use the radio list or click on the radio listener square. Use the promo code CARL or give them a call 1-800-858-0263, 1-800-858-0263. There's deals on Giza uh, bed sheets, Percal bed sheets. Uh, there's a new deal on towel sets where you get six towels uh, for, I believe it's $39.98 when they normally sell for about 90 bucks. So you can take advantage of all the deals at MyPillow.com by using the promo code CARL or give them a call 1-800-858-0263. And until next time. Don't grow weary doing good, and God bless you.